0: Welcome to the Touchdown Wire Week 16, Week 16 <sighs> Matchup yeah. Podcast. Doug Ferrar, editor of Touchdown Wire with Mark Schofield, our five-tool guy. Mark, in 10 days, the regular season is going to be over. Holy crap. I know. And you know what that means, Doug? It means it's almost mock draft season.
1: Uh, whoosh. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: Unfortunately. I was gonna talk, yeah, I was going to bring up my uh, Pro Bowl snubs, but I don't really give a rip. Uh, I do. Cause I, I'm mad about Robert Tanya. Oh my God. I'm very one mad one about touchdown. that. Okay. There are two, there are two tight ends this year who have 10 touchdown receptions, Travis Kelsey, who of course made it. And Robert Tonyan Uh, whoops. Yeah. I'll bring him up. Uh, Garrett Bowles of the Broncos. Uh, he's allowed no stack seven quarterback hits and four quarterback hurries and 521 pass blocking snaps better run value is a run better value is a run blocker than you might think i would take him over eric fisher laramie Tunsil, or orlando brown who were the three guys in the afc who made it yeah and plus his wife posted a great video to get
1: votes on twitter of him slipping on ice in the driveway i don't know if you saw that well it's incredible all,
0: first of all posted on touchdown where second of all even more reason to put him in there,
1: right? Um, but yeah, Bull should have made it. The homer and me is mad about JC Jackson, but I, I look, there are a lot of good corners in the well. You know,
0: uh, here's what I wrote about JC Jackson. Um, and I'm in Seattle, I'm about you know 3,000 miles away from you, so I'm not a homer. Uh, Gilmore missing time due to injury this year. Jackson has covered more number one receivers in 2020. He's allowed 34 receptions and 63 targets for 433 yards. 163 after the catch, three touchdowns, eight interceptions. Only Xavier and Howard has more. Opponent pass rating of 52.0. You go back to last year, you could argue, because neither Stephon Gilmore or Davius White has, has played at the level they did last year when they were the two best cornerbacks in the NFL. Injury has a lot to do with that. It's not like they're slipping, and Trey White is coming back hard. Yeah. Uh, but you could argue that Jackson has been the NFL's best cornerback over the last two seasons combined. He didn't make the Pro Bowl in either one. Yeah. That's just dumb.
1: I, I think a lot of it's name recognition. I, I mean, know. you know, fan votes, you know, players voted, whatever. Um, And, you know, he did get – he had a tough start to that Jets game on a Monday night, which in front of a national audience, that probably didn't have even though he had the late interception where Flacco seemed like he was all in on the tank for Trevor. So, mm. yeah, that, that one stings a little bit. Um, The, the, the Tunyon won, the Bulls won. Ed Teller. Wyatt Teller is another one, which is ridiculous.
0: I know he missed mistimed to injury, but we detailed how much the Browns offense just fell apart when he was not. And he wasn't, actually, he wasn't in there uh, last Sunday. Nick Harris was the third guy because the what, Teller's backup uh, suffered a knee injury in like play three. Nick Harris, rookie, comes out of nowhere and does well. So that's nice. Uh, Corey Lindsley, the center for the Packers. Um,
1: the, the Buccaneers I, I,
0: linebackers. I don't get I don't get Lindsay over I mean I get Lindsay over Jason Kelsey and that Kelsey's a name and yeah. Kelsey's had like thirteen different line combinations so it's not all his fault but I would put Lindsay in there over Kelsey in a heartbeat yeah Shaquille Barrett has more pressure than any other edge rusher he's not in there neither Levante David nor Devin White are in there so there's your your Buck snubs Devin White are the best linebacker duo in the NFL neither one of them makes it yeah. And then I just have two words, DeForest Buckner. Come on, right. man. He's been great. Why? I don't understand. Uh, Bryce Callahan of the Broncos, uh, 28 receptions on 52 targets, 199 yards, 44 after the catch, no touchdowns. Those two picks. Point pass rating of 46.9, the lowest in the league among cornerbacks who have played at least 50% of their snaps, plus can play outside or in the slot. And this was my probably my biggest snub is a guy a lot of people haven't heard of yet. They will. Darius Williams, cornerback, Los Angeles Rams. And you did a great video about the anatomy of a rematch, the Seahawks-Rams game. So we'll get into LA's secondary. Marshawn Lattimore of the Saints made it in the NFC roster over Darius Williams. And Marshawn Lattimore is a name, so I get it. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore has allowed seven touchdowns and has one interception this year. Williams has 29 catches on 60 targets for 405 yards, 140 after the catch, two touchdowns, four interceptions, and an opponent rat- pass rating of 53.8, which is less than half of the passer rating Lattimore, 119.4, has allowed. Yeah. What? Again, what? Yeah, what it- thank and
1: if it sounds like we're being ridiculous about the Pro Bowl, it's because it matters. It matters. In the too. sense of contracts.
0: Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. If you make three Pro Bowls instead of seven, that could be the difference between a gold jacket and not. So, yeah, yeah the Pro Bowl is silly. The ramifications thereof, not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I'll stand for James Robinson of the Jaguars, too. Uh, 1,070 yards this year, 1,414 yards, 10 total touchdowns in a broken Jaguars offense. Only Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook have more rushing yards and only Dominic Rhodes for the Colts and Cookie Gilchrist for the 1962 Buffalo Bills, ding, ding, have more rushing yards in their rookie seasons as undrafted players. Yeah. Cookie was in the CFL for like seven years. I think he, when he broke into the AFL, he was like 45 years old. Uh, yeah. So Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, two receivers with just disastrous quarterback situations. Uh, Robinson's entire career. Oh I my mean, God. He did it back I mean, to college. State. Yeah. I mean, Hackenberg. That's I had somebody boy. on Twitter ask
1: me if Robinson should have like an NBA situation where he like forces his way out of Chicago. I'm mean, like, yeah. yeah, obviously. Like,
0: Although, although in the last four weeks, are we going to risk actually. You're been not buying it, on Mitch, are you? I, I'm, no. Well, we'll get into that. We'll don't get me. into that. Um, so, Pro Bowl snubs. I don't know if you have any additional guys, but. Like we nah. said, it is silly, it is ridiculous, and yet it matters. Kind of like America. It does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, with that, you know, now we've got our complaint department rolling. Uh, let's get to Christmas football. What the hell? Uh, Vikings at, at Saints. Saints great defense through everything it had at Patrick Mahomes and still lost, which is not unusual. What is unusual is Drew Brees' performance against the Chiefs. The theme of this podcast, Dr. Schofield, might be veteran quarterbacks and the shots they don't take. Hello, Drew Brees, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Phillip Rivers when he's not playing the Texans. Brees had three touchdown passes against the Chiefs. One was a quick dump off to Latavius Murray in which he passed on a wide open Jawan Johnson on an intermediate crosser in which Brashad Breeland had lost uh, Johnson over the middle, and Daniel Sorgerson was kind of falling down at the catch point. I kind of get why Breeze thought, well, no, that's not a touchdown, and he was kind of waiting for Murray to come open on the kind of block leak. Uh, And then the second was a sweep handoff to Alvin Kamara, in which Kamara did all the work, and I don't know why backfield handoffs count as touchdown passes. That's just dumb. Third was a deep throw to Lil Jordan Humphrey, best name in football, in which he made it harder than he needed to. Humphrey was Breeze's third read, on the backside, double covered, converging. He had Jared Cook wide open to his front side on a slant in the end zone. I don't know if you saw that play, but Jared Cook is like standing there going, Hi, give me the ball. Uh, Breeze on the Latavius Murray touched down. He said, Yeah, he was the fifth progression. One, two, three, four, then scramble five. He did a great job because he was in protection. So they brought both linebackers. Line picks up one, he picks up the other, and it's block, block, block we kind of had them all wadded up and then you're going through your progression, realize you don't have anything. Well, you we kind of did you go to scramble and that's just great awareness on Murray's part of, you know, he had kind of a stalemate with this guy. Then he sees me needing an outlet and he makes himself available. Really good job by him. And that's great. And I, Maybe in H- Breeze's head, he was kind of fixated on, watch this block and get this guy open. And, you know, so he's got, I think, you know, preconceived in his head we've got them wadded up let's have Marie release on the wheel and just go for it which turned out to be correct but you know three touchdown passes never a bad thing maybe it's just rust on Bruce park <laughs> It's the 11 broken ribs right but the hesitation was interesting for a guy who's usually so devastatingly on point when it comes to knowing who's open and who's coming open and who's kind of schemed open uh i just thought it was interesting I'm not damning yeah. Breeze. I'm not saying he's Roethlisberger yet, but... It's right. Much. And, 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 you know, when we potted before the pod,
1: I kind of said that you get that Roethlisberger week 6 vibe, where it's like, we'll put this in the back of our mind, but there could be something here. I mean, from the get-go, his first completion was a check down to Alvin Kamara, and he has... Emmanuel Sanders get open on a vertical route along the left sideline. Like it was a little lot of the down, but it's like there was you could that. tell he was quicker to come off potential deep shots of this game that I've seen from him in the past. Yeah. Um, and I part of the reason why I'm kind of looking at this, filing it away and then putting it to the side is 11 fractured ribs. Like I, I can't imagine trying to throw deep shots down the side that I can't imagine doing it right now. Anyway, my arm would fall off, but I can't imagine getting coffee with 11 broken rooms. <laughs> yeah. I, so, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. If he felt like, look, I don't have that club today. Like that's a club. I just have to leave in the bag right now. Yep. I'm going to take check downs. If this continues, like if this continues, look, you're going up against Minnesota. You might have some opportunities to take deep shots. If he's still checking them down you get it to week 17, he's still checking them down. It's going to be an issue. This is why I think, look, they have to get the bye. Like, I don't know if this team right now was winning, you know, three straight games, started with no bye week to get to a Super Bowl. I just don't know. it. So they've got to get a bye. So, yeah, this is something to watch. I'm not panicking, but I'm watching this.
0: Well, it starts, you know, we're, as I said, 10 days away from the end of the regular season. You're starting to look at, like, fatal flaws of potential teams. And I think there's no absolutely no question right now for the Saints, it's their quarterback situation, which is – you know, Weird to say. all those years were breezed through for 15,000 yards a game. And they went seven and nine because their defense was horrible. Welcome to the inverse. Yeah. Yeah. And the, there
1: isn't a complete team in the NFC, I think anyway. No. Um, so, I mean, you could see, look, if they get the buy and they get healthy, healthier, nobody's healthy this time of year. They could certainly make a run. They could also be one and done. I, I think you could say that about every single team in the NFC right now.
0: They consistently have the defense to win a Super Bowl. They have the running game. They have the offensive line. It's just the whole most important position in the game thing. Yeah. yeah. You can
1: say the same thing about the Rams.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, we'll, we have a lot to say about them. Two worst play calls of Sean McVay's career. There's your teaser. Yeah. Uh, I wrote about that this week. Speaking of Buccaneers at Lions, we are now asking the same question we asked every week in which Matt Matt Patricia was the head coach. Who is actually coaching his team. Uh, it will not be Daryl Bevel. COVID wide receiver coach Robert Prince will fill in for Bevel. I don't have anything else here. I just thought. All I know be, is that uh, I moved the game.
1: Our yeah, our good friend Jeff Raisden had a rather colorful piece where he basically said that the NFL, you know, get, left a nice little present. And it's not coal in the stocking of the Detroit Lions this morning by not moving this game. I mean, how a wide receiver coach like has he ever called a play before? I think they have another guy calling plays. but I mean, what we might see is four verticals on every snap, which I'm okay with. If Uh, you have Matthew Stafford,
0: that's a good option. That's a good option.
1: Just throw it on every down. I think that's probably your best option for the line. And you're facing
0: a Buccaneers defense that, you know, from week to week can either be dominant or static and, you know, horrible. So who knows? So, But, yeah, they should have moved this game. I mean, come on. And let's see. 49ers at Cardinals. Good news for uh, you and me, Mark, and the dozens of others who are still on board with Josh Rosen. 49ers signed Josh Rosen to a one-year deal. Comes at a time where Kyle Shanahan may have to get on the field himself as a starting quarterback. Nick Mullins could have elbow surgery. C.J. Beathard is starting. The team placed Josh Johnson on the reserved COVID list this week. Uh, Yes, there was a 49ers quarterback who's – former 49ers quarterback who's still available, played pretty well, yada, yada, yada. We're not going to talk about that. Oh, wait, we just did. Is Rosen redeemable in Shanahan's system? I mean, is this like the biggest test so far? Because Mullins, no. Bethard, no. Because sometimes you just don't – I don't care who's scheming you up. Sometimes you're just not good. Right. So, Josh, I, think, can- I think, yeah, this is the ideal test case. And, you
1: know, it's interesting. Every the- every week on football Twitter, a theme sort of emerges. This week it was play action and quarterbacks. And, like, if you're a quarterback propped up by play action, are you actually good? And, you know, a corollary of that is if you're a quarterback propped up by scheme, are you actually good? I think this is the ideal test case. I don't know if he'll be able to start in week 17. I would love to see Rosen start. Um, I, I think any. I think most quarterbacks that have sufficient talent will look good in Shanahan's offense. I think Rosen could be a great example of that. Except for his two backups. Well, yeah, there is that. But, I mean, Bethard, Mullins, I, I don't know about those guys. Yeah. I, the, the Beathard pick, when when Shanahan made that selection, because I remember being down at the Senior Bowl with Beathard and just saying, okay, I guess this is fun. This is interesting. And then he makes it the last pick of the third round. Um, so, and for look, of course there's a selfish motive here, Doug. Like, I want to be redeemed. This was my QB1 in that draft class. Like, I – taking some L's for that 2018 class. So I'd like to see well, Rosen. What? Something.
0: Time am out. Time out. Time out. What? Yeah. What? Why? Yeah. Rosen. Oh, no, I said Bethard. I'm like, no, 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 no. Rosen was my QB one. Day. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I yeah. thought he
1: could be the best quarterback in that class. No question. Yeah. And, and Rosen's a great example of the NFL has all the information available to it and they still get it wrong. Like the reason why I had Rosen QB one, above all was the fact that I thought he was mentally ready to handle an NFL style offense. And then it comes out when he moves to Miami that he had never identified the Mike linebacker before.
0: Yeah. I've had people tell me off the record that, you know, just for background that he basically has a high school level of processing defenses. Yeah. And you don't see that on film when he's at
1: UCLA and he's
0: making reads and you're like, Oh,
1: this could work. we don't well,
0: have also, you know, all the offensive line injuries and the horrible play calling, and he's still making plays. A couple of different systems, well, and then and, yeah. that's just an automatic. Well, imagine what he'll do when he comes to the NFL, and right. what happened when he comes to the NFL is everyone eats his lunch, which is yeah. kind of what's happened. So, far. although if you go back and watch his his first start against Seattle, and mm-hmm. you
1: watch his game in Green Bay when they beat the Packers on the road in Lambeau Field, oh, yeah. got Mike McCarthy fired. In those two games, and I've written about both of those games multiple times at this point, trying to cling to some hope, he made some throws that were like, look, this this guy's an NFL quarterback. And so there's something there, as we've seen with Josh Allen, like patience is critical with young quarterbacks and maybe fingers crossed. I mean, I think this is a nice sort of plan B if San Francisco misses out on a quarterback in the first round if the guys that everybody is assuming are going one, two, three, in some order, Lawrence, Fields, Wilson, are off the board before them, they could run Garoppolo back and have Josh Rose and say, okay, those two guys are probably better than that second tier of quarterbacks in the next class.
0: Garoppolo is a $28 million cap hit next year. Why would they run him back? Uh, they don't have any other – I mean, I, I, are you going to eat rather, that? I would rather – just from a financial perspective, especially with the cap likely going down, I don't know how they're gonna spread it out. It's estimated one seventy six million next year. If you got, you know, sub Jared Goff costing twenty eight million bucks, I well I wouldn't do it. I mean, are you just gonna that eat what's his debt cap? Oh, that's a good question. Because if it's in the same neighborhood, his dead cap is negligible. This is the okay. Well, this is the first year they're free from it, and they actually take enormous one-year debt if they keep him. Oh well, then in that case, yeah, then I don't think there's a question. Uh, I'm gonna look that up now now because I've written about it before. But yeah, 2021, 26.9 million if they keep him, 2.8 million dead. Oh, they
1: don't. Yeah. Well, adios, Jimmy. Bye bye. Yeah. Well, happens. then that changes everything I just said.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it happens. You have the cap. We're watching tape. We're not cap guys. So right. <laughs> Kyler Murray is by far the most effective no huddle quarterback this season. 11 touchdowns and four picks out of no huddle. Ben Roethlisberger is second with four touchdowns. Kyler Murray is throwing like massive touchdowns with, I don't Huddle. Yeah. And I, it's funny. I watched that, you know, that Arizona offense against
1: Philadelphia. I don't know what you saw when you watched it. I just saw him make it a lot of scramble drill throw throws. Yeah. Like, I, I saw it really just sort of. He had a couple of throws from the pocket where it's like, that was an impressive throw. Like, he had an in cut to the right sideline that I thought was really nice. Um, but it was a lot of scramble drill stuff, a lot of moving him around that switch curls concept 94, I think they call it. Um, I which mean, he's fun way, to watch.
0: Yeah. Which, by the way, makes sense against Philadelphia, whose front is great and whose yeah. secondary, when it's healthy, which it wasn't, is not that good. So, right. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, I, look, I think Arizona wins this game, um, I,
1: given the 49ers quarterback situation to begin with. But I don't, I don't think there's much
0: else here. Yeah, uh, although the Niners this year against no huddle per Sports Info Solutions have only allowed one, one touchdown pass, even with oh. all those injuries. Robert Sala. Robert Sala might be the next guy who actually coaches the Lions. We'll see. Might be. Taking uh, Mike LaFleur with him, most likely. 49ers passing game coordinator. You got Insta staff right there. Dolphins at Raiders. I mean, I, I think the Dolphins take this. You got anything? You know, I, I Here's an interesting thought. Do teams that have mobile
1: backup quarterbacks have an advantage? <laughs> It's something Matt Waldman and I were talking about this week because you saw it with Hurts when he came in. You saw Mm -hmm. it with Mariota when he came in because it's not something you perhaps game plan for. Even Taysom Hill to an extent. Do teams need to uh, look at this, see what's happening with guys like Mariota coming off the bench and think, look, we need a mobile backup because if nothing else, you can get that guy in the move and
0: play 11 on 11. I think it depends on how mobile the starter is. If you put Tyrod Taylor behind Russell Wilson, well, you're kind of scheming. They're not the same quarterback, obviously. You're scheming kind of the same way for right. guy, whoever the quarterback is.
1: Yeah. Bruce, That's why, like, the Taysom yeah. versus Drew Brees thing.
0: Yeah, if your starter yeah. is Tom Brady and you have, a, you know, a, a, a two-level guy or a Hertz-level guy as the backup, and you don't find out until – Friday of a Sunday game that Brady is out for whatever reason, then yeah, you have to change your whole plan because Brady, who by the way is the best pocket mover in NFL yes. history, and really went off on Tony Dungy on Twitter. God, that was hilarious. That was. Um, you know, I think in that case, I think if if I've always thought you have an advantage if your starter and your backup have similar skill sets because it's it's less of a burden on you, the offensive play designer to come up with two different things and that's not just for the quarterback it's for everybody because your checks change your protection you know what the running backs do changes um your your rpo game could like exist all of a sudden where it didn't before brady's not running a bunch of rpos um they're pos <laughs> uh, that's what they are because brady's not going to run nor should he um so i think in that case with you know and carr can you know run around a little bit mario is more mobile so I think anytime you can throw a switcheroo at a defense, sure, you have an advantage. Oh, well, there you go. That might we might see that this Saturday. We could. Uh, Falcons at Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes in a lot, his last four games: Tampa Bay, Denver, Miami, New Orleans. Um, Twenty-three deep attempts, six completions, two hundred and thirty-nine yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Zero for six on deep balls against the Saints. Is this a problem? Saints gave the Chiefs a bunch of. Two deep, deep, two deep looks. And you know they're going to run the ball against that, which they did. 41 attempts for 179 yards and a touchdown. That's like a Marv Levy wing key game. Yeah. But this is the thing to worry about down the, or is it a thing to worry about down the stretch? By the way, the Falcons have jumped from 27th to 8th in pass defense DVOA in the second half of the season. Chiefs have dropped from 7th to 23rd. If there's a game I have an uneasy feeling about against a seemingly obvious result, It's kind of this one, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out for at least the regular season. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to win. I'm saying as much as you throw everything you have at Patrick Mahomes and he still kicks your ass. This is one game, and of course, you know, the Falcons could be up 41-10 to at half and and still lose. lose it because they're the win probability poster kids. But I think this could be a lot closer than it looks, and of course the Falcons being the Falcons and the Chiefs being the Chiefs. Um, that's, you know, very movable force, meaning really movable object, but yeah, I don't think it's automatic.
1: I mean, I, I'm still leaning towards it's pretty automatic. Um, mostly a, because it's Atlanta and they'll find a way to Falcons this game away, no matter hey, what, dude. but B, I mean, you know, the, the sort of book on, if you're going to play Kansas city is to try to play too high, maybe spit it to one, you know, cross where you're trying to take away the mm-hmm. crossers. The stuff on the vertical routes, I mean, they missed some. They, they ran Wasp in the middle of the first quarter, and they had the deep shot. I think it was it was to Hardman. Um, they just couldn't connect on it. You know, it's one of those games where they missed on stuff and still put up 32 points. Yep. And so I, I, I think, you know, we could quibble about, you know, maybe they should be better. Maybe they should be executing better in the deep passing game. This is a team that I think they take a ton of shots. And some of those games, they'll miss them. More often than not, they'll hit on enough to win. And even a game when they miss six of them, they still put up 32 points. So I'm I'm not worried about Mahomes in this offense just yet. It would take a lot for me to get worried about this
0: offense. Yeah, I'm not worried about the offense. Like I said last week, he's the ultimate F-you-pay-me guy. Oh, yeah. Three sacks, F-you-pay-me. Three interceptions, F-you-pay-me. 30-yard sack, F-you-pay-me. I'm still Patrick Mahomes. But the the number of 15-1 and teams in NFL history, not high. Yeah. There's always that second loss where you just go, what? And you throw away the tape and you move on. I, I'm just, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, I'm if that estim- ends up happening, you know, clip this estim- and dump it, it on it the happen- show. Yeah. yeah. Estimating it's going to happen, but I don't know. Browns at Jets. meh. Uh, if you're the Jets, do you keep Sam Darnold and draft Jamar Chase, or do you get QB two? And who is QB two in your mind? Cause you watch more college quarterbacks than I have at this point.
1: Yeah, I, I'm really – I haven't finished my work on the two. Um, I, I really thought Justin Fields was going to be QB2. I thought that that was going to be pretty easy, and I thought that I even with it. the with I the rise see. of Zach Wilson. yeah. Um, before this season, I thought the, the concern I had with Fields was he gets to the right answer, but it takes time. He gets to the right read, but it takes too much time. Um, I thought he had cleaned that up. Mm-mm. And then you saw that you know, the, the 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 Big Ten championship game against Northwestern where he was just slow again. Mm-hmm. He was slow with his reads, slow with his decisions. And then you see Wilson and the arm talent, the mobility, the wild wow throws, the leverage throws. There's a reason people called him the Mormon Manziel, the reason they called him the Mormon Mahomes at times. Like there's something special, I think, about this kid. And um, anticipation throws into
0: specific spots is what
1: – yeah, and, and JTO Sullivan, a former NFL quarterback, has run something called the QB school. He just, he did a great video on Zach Wilson that I'd recommend people watch. He does really good informative videos, yeah, you learn a ton job. from them. Um, he had a great video looking at all the you know weaknesses and strengths of Wilson and made a really strong case for him. Um, I may still end up with fields too because I think there's a lot of upside, but it's gonna be really close. Um, and then look, I, I think if you're the Jets. It's interesting because you could make a case that they could get a King's ransom if they traded out of two. Mm-hmm. You could make a case that if they stayed there, look, they could draft the Oregon tackle who opted out, who everybody says is like, look, the best left tackle in generations. You draft him, maybe you slide him to right tackle. You've got Beckton and Penny Sewell. As your bookend tackles for the next like 10 years. Like, that you could do suck. something like that. That doesn't suck at all. Like, they have so many options to it. Whether they decide, look, we're not going to give up on Sam Darnold, they could get a Kin's ransom for the pick. They could draft somebody else. They could draft Chase. They could, you know, pair and Chase with Denzel Mims. That's a nice one two combination of receiver. Mm-hmm. There's and a lot they, already they have, could they do. Already
0: have the, they already had the extra first this year and next year from the Jamal Adams trade. So, yeah, it's just the rich getting the poor getting richer. I yeah. I mean,
1: there's a number. Look, they have. Teams that give themselves multiple paths to being good again, I think are important to watch and it's a great way to do it. Um, I'm sure there's a, there, there's a less than zero. In fact, there's a, probably a more than 75% percentage of that fan base that says we don't care draft a quarterback. We're done with Sam Donald. There's going to be a lot of pressure to do that. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Joe Douglas handles
0: that. I would like to see the existence of the quarterback that Adam Gase improves. I'll just leave it there.
1: We, we, we've talked about this. His reputation as a QB girl was from coaching up Peyton Manning, which is ridiculous.
0: Yeah. My cats could do that.
1: <laughs> Your cats so, are pretty smart. Yeah, they are very smart. Believe me. But
0: still. Yeah. Colts at Steelers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Bengals showed you... Well, I'll start with this. The first Super Bowl I covered live was Super Bowl... I think it was 47. The second Giants-Patriots Super Bowl. And... So you're in this like the 600-level auxiliary press box because, you know, I'm not Peter King, so I'm getting put at the kids' table, which is fine. Um, Because actually what it allowed me to do is see all 22 in every play live, which was the first time I'd really done that, and it was amazing. And one of the first things I noticed with what the Giants were doing is they had a lot of two-deep coverage in that game, but it was all like 8 to 10 yards downfield. They never ran deep safety. The Bengals showed you exactly what they thought of Ben Roethlisberger last monday night by how they ran coverage because they did the same thing i could count on like my third hand the number of times they ran too deep deep it was two guys eight to ten yards downfield maybe they would spin play robber or lurk or whatever but it was 10 yards or shorter jumped the routes and they didn't have to do anything else because it just you know and we you know we'll talk about ben but here come the Colts best two deep defense in the NFL, all kinds of guys who can take away the stuff underneath Darius Leonard. Hello. Uh, Roethlisberger has four touchdowns and no picks and no huddle this season. That might be their only saving grace, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. And all of a sudden the receivers are catching the ball and Roethlisberger can't throw it anywhere. His spray chart against the Bengals looked like what, like you or I would do. Yeah. That was bad. Wasn't
1: good. wasn't good.
0: And you know,
1: When I do the show with Kiss where we talk about quarterbacks, he always asks me, like, what's your heat check throw for a quarterback? Like, if he makes it, you're like, okay, he's going to have a good day. With Roethlisberger, the throw I'm watching, if you remember that interception in the end zone against the Titans, it was that seam route to Juju against Tampa 2 with the linebacker carried it, right? He struggled, again, against the Bengals trying to make that throw. He could have put it in there. And I remember when Brady started to really face the questions about his arm strength. It was that throw. If you remember the AFC Championship game against the Colts in 2014, which we were, again, reminded of this week by Tom Brady, the interception that put Deflategate in everybody's national conscience was on that throw in the red zone. He tried to hit Gronk on the seam, he couldn't get it over the linebacker who was retreating in coverage. And that's a sign that a quarterback's arm strength isn't there because it's one of the tougher throws you're going to make. It's basically the triple coverage because whether safeties are on the linebacker carrying it. Roethlisberger hasn't hit it, I think, this year. I tried to go back through all his throws this week. I couldn't find an example of him hitting it. It's a question mark. And so, like yeah. you said, now you're getting
0: a team that plays great cover too. The funny thing is people have been saying, well, he made, you know, deep throws earlier in the season. So maybe it's just he's getting worn down. And what I've seen when I go back and look is, you know, it's, it's guys out of position. It's guys falling down. It's, you know, pretty wide. I'm, and I'm, it's, I'm not like he, feeling like biscuit in the basket, you know, not that every deep throw needs to be this way, but I, I didn't see a lot of deep throws where you're like, yeah, that's he's still okay.
1: And it's one thing if you're like dropping in a, a go route along the sideline against single coverage, like every once in a while, even bad quarterbacks will hit on that. Believe me, I know that one. Um, it's It's what it's tighter windows. You know, and when you're trying to hit stuff in the middle of the field, when you're trying to hit stuff between the numbers, between the hash marks, you just can't do it there. And it looks like the windows are closing. Well, sometimes they're closing because of coverage. Sometimes you're throwing them closed. And I think that's what we're seeing with
0: Roethlisberger right now. He's also hesitating to make the, and, and I think Breeze did this, and which is understandable. He's just coming back. He's still hurt. There's, I mean, he's wearing a, like a advanced flak jacket just to survive. Roethlisberger is not taking those shots. Lamar is not taking those shots, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. Philip Rivers has been a liability in the deep passing game this season, but the deep throw to T.Y. Hilton against the Texans was a play where Rivers mentioned after the game that his chemistry with Hilton is improving. He said that there were deep throws, and I wrote about this this week, anatomy of a play, uh, deep throws earlier this season that he wouldn't attempt because he didn't feel it yet. And now he's getting it together. Of course, the, <laughs> the Texans helped. But if you can get that together, watch out. Because this team with a deep passing game, you know, and we're going to talk about the Bills at the end of this, where I I think the Bills are the one team in the NFL right now without a distinct liability. I mean, every every team has little nicks. But I think if they get a deep passing game, I mean, what's their problem? It just comes down to how much you trust Rivers. I mean, but if – I think we've been talking about, yes, he's a physical shadow of his former self and whatever – it was interesting to me reading the quotes after the game, Rivers said that there were deep throws earlier that he wouldn't attempt because he didn't feel it. He didn't trust himself to make those throws yet. And when we talk about a quarterback, not making deep throws, I bet you give Ben true serum. He would tell you the same thing. I don't think I can make that throw. Uh, Breeze last week. I don't think I can make that throw Lamar deep throws over the middle, which uh, 10 times a game. I see him like look and then run. And if you gave him truth through him, I don't think I can make that throw. So it's, I just brought up that to make a point that a lot of the time when a quarterback is reluctant to make those, you know, really hard throws, it's not always the arm. A lot of times it's the head.
1: Yeah. I, it's a confidence. It's a trust thing. I mean, it's, it's like we talked about earlier in the season with wines, you know, it's sort of a spinoff of the, you know, don't listen to what coaches tell you about their team, watch what they call and you'll learn what they think about their team. Don't listen to what a quarterback says at the podium or at the Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever. Watch the reads and throws and decisions they want to make.
0: Well, if you are four verts on that play, so obviously- yeah, I mean it was
1: four verts against cover two, so Reich still trusts them. Yeah, you know, just on this example, it's and it might be a lesson for Pittsburgh because it's a Tampa two with a linebacker carrying Ty Hilton, but
0: the safeties have to widen a bit. Randy, just wait until uh, someone's going to put a linebacker on your deep guy.
1: Yeah, I mean that's
0: another thing. Like, well, I, I'll get to Bengals and Texans right now and get other on the on for on the aforementioned deep throw from Rivers to Hilton. Romeo Cornell, Texans interim head coach, said after the game that it was the primary responsibility of linebacker Tyrell Williams to cover T.Y. Hilton forty yards up the seam.
1: That's one of those, like, read that sentence again or listen to that sentence again. I'm
0: going to read it again. On the aforementioned deep throw, yeah. Hilton, Romeo Cornell, Texans interim head coach, said after the game that it was a primary responsibility of linebacker Tyrell Williams to cover T.Y. Hilton 40 yards up the seam and wait for safety help. And if that's your plan, you need a different plan. And I'm just bringing that up because sad trombone for Deshaun Watson again. It's second and 20. Like, why are you going to call that coverage? <laughs> I mean, they got... uh They got the tight end as a nub defender, and nub is a run read to that side, and they red run on second and 20. What the hell? I don't know.
1: I just – it's just a head-scratching decision. I don't understand it. But, yeah, I mean, I I will say this, though. I'm very excited about this quarterback matchup because Deshaun Watson is much-watched football, and Ryan Finley is fun. And watching Ryan Finley he's beat the awesome. Pittsburgh Steelers was fun. So I'm kind of excited to see this quarterback matchup. And Ryan Finley is one of the – I think he's got like two master's degrees or something crazy. Like he's like ridiculously book smart. He's and great. when I talked to him with the Senior NC Bowl, State. like – You got that quarterback factory podcast. I mean, what is NC State if not that? Exactly. No, because he started at Boise State and ended up losing the gig to Brett Rippitt. Yep. And so then he transferred to NC State, got like a master's. He graduated early, got like a master's, then got a second master's at NC State. There you go. Wow. Bears at Here uh, we All right, Doug, tell us. God darn. it on Mitchell Trubisky.
0: No, I got to get this out of the way first. Doug Marone says that Gardner Minshew is not a lot to start. Fire everybody. Damn it. Yeah. <sighs> it was that uh, John Cusack gift from High Fidelity where he just spends like half a minute <laughs> – Tying himself in the knots, trying to explain how stupid something is, and yeah, because we have to see what Jake Luton has. Okay, whatever. Right. Ah, Bears at Janguars, Fascinating change in the Bears' offense over the last month with Trubisky. And somebody, I, I pointed this out on Twitter, and someone said, "Yeah, it sounds like the McVeigh plan. It really is." Um, yeah, they're finally playing to his strengths. Um, I, I wrote a piece a couple years ago about how Dalla Loggins had done this before, and then they just went away from it because I don't know. Uh, Much more 12 personnel, 23% in the last four weeks, which is when when Trubisky has started. Trubisky has two touchdowns and one pick out of 12, and off of that, five touchdowns, one pick out of 11 personnel. Since week 12, Trubisky and Goff are tied for the most boot action dropbacks with 23, one more than Mayfield, which might surprise you. Trubisky is 18 of 23 for 148 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions with boot. This has always been Trubisky's best way to go. We've seen this. The the numbers told the story last year, and as George Carlin once said, some people need practical advice. Matt Nagy has finally figured it out. Does this save Nagy's job if it continues, and is Trubisky considered salvageable if it continues?
1: It might save Matt Nagy's job. It might save Ryan Pace's job. Um, I don't know if Trubisky's full-on salvageable. I'm really hesitant to buy it because you, you've seen flashes of this before, which seems like they figured things out with him. And then it reverts to mirrored curl flat over and over. Well,
0: yeah, and, uh, and also when we get to the Rams, we're going to talk about uh, something Kurt Warner said about the Rams passing game. And he <laughs> would know uh, when there's an option B, everyone's head explodes. And I think that would be true of Trubisky. Like, okay, well, yeah. what happens? Because not every quarterback is good in boot. You know, I know no. even Ruiz and a lot of people, you know, Every, you know, play action is such a cheat code than if quarterback. Not every quarterback is good in play action. Not every quarterback is good in boot. The Rams, when they were in their seven-step drop play action this year, have been horrible because you got to turn your back to run the fake, and then you turn around, and you have, like, a third of the time to read your defense. The defense has developed into something that you didn't see pre-snap. And that's why Goff is terrible at it. It's probably why Trubisky would be terrible at it over time because you just you, you flip the script, you show him something he isn't used to, and then pfft, there you go.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I think, you know, if you try to make Trubisky this boot action, almost a T. high school offense-type quarterback, like it could work for a while, but eventually, look, teams are going to figure that out. Like it might be enough to get them into the playoffs. Like they still got a shot at it. But I don't think that you can sort of say, look, this is going to be our plan going forward. Like they have to fix the quarterback position. It's the theme of Chicago football since 1947. And
0: because, so, yeah, when you, I mean, the, I guess the logical end game would be what Stefanski is doing with Baker Mayfield. But yeah. when Baker isn't good from the pocket, it still doesn't work. I mean, you can draw the tight end motion and 13 personnel and, you know, this deep stutter go and and all all the wrinkles that Stefanski puts in there, you still have to win on third and nine from the pocket. And Trubisky has never been able to do that. Baker is still week to week on it when he is. I mean, my God, that's like one of the three best passing games in the NFL when he isn't, you know, like a flan in a cupboard as Eddie Izzard. Yeah. Yeah. Quoting comedians today. I'm just in a funny mood. Uh, Giants at Ravens. You had a great video piece on the Ravens counter bash play. Get into that for a second.
1: Yeah, um, and obviously, I, I took a lot of it from Ted Winter. wrote about it earlier in December. I updated it with some recent stuff. It's just one of those examples of that having a mobile
0: guys. As you said, he's worth the athletic subscription. Yeah, period. Like,
1: absolutely. Um, his Teacher Tape Tuesday stuff is really good, too. Um, it's one of the benefits of having a mobile quarterback is that you play 11-on-11, 11 11 and you can run against crowded boxes and still have success because it's a design where – Quarterback, running back next to him in the gun. The backside guarded tackle will pull. Lamar Jackson will meet the running back at the mesh point. And so, you for example, you have the guard and the tackle pull left to right. Running back moving right to left, you can hand it to him. And if that backside defensive end sort of follows the pullers, you hand it to him, he beats everybody to the edge. It's an easy run. If that end stays home or even collapses down on the potential handoff, You keep it and follow the pullers or you do what he did against Cleveland, which is why this play is just impossible to defend. Miles Garrett sort of stayed home and tried to split the baby. And so he kept it and then ran into the hole that developed on that backside. Anyway, got inside of miles Garrett, because what happened to the linebackers? They made him kind of the razor. They didn't even block him. No, okay. they didn't block come on, him. Come on through, sucker. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, that's just it. Like the example I highlighted from Jacksonville, they tried to sort of scrape exchange it with the end crashed down. Miles Jack floated around. So he's like, okay, well, I see you scrape exchange in that. I'm going to follow the pullers. And that's what you do. When you get north and south and you're, you're playing, you know, I think that was a seven man box. So it's seven on seven in the run game. Yep. And the Cleveland example, what was dangerous was. The linebackers are going to follow the pullers. That's their run key. You're taught to do that. So you see, Paul, you start running to the edge because you don't want to get outflanked and outgapped over there. And it created that crease backside. And that's where Lamar Jackson is so dangerous because he could just get north and south of the blink of an eye and turns it into a 41-yard run. And so Patrick Graham has been great this year. We've talked about him on the show. You've written about him. Um, look, he's a great defensive coordinator. They're doing some great things on defense. They're going to have to figure this stuff out.
0: Well, they have, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if they spy Jackson with Blake Martinez. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder if they bring a spy into the conversation, not that he's going to catch up with Lamar, but, it, or they spy the gaps or they do something like that. Um, because here's the thing, this is all great, but I still wonder how far the Ravens can get with a quarterback who keeps declining deep throws over the middle when he's got openings. And this yeah. goes back to what we just said about Mayfield. You still have to win from the pocket. And I think Lamar was better at this last year, but this year per sports info solutions throws over the middle with 20 plus air yards. No surprise. Mahomes is the best five touchdowns, one pick. Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers have all been great with that. Lamar nine of 23 for 295 yards, one touchdown, one interception. That doesn't count the number of shots he doesn't take. And there are a lot of them. And it's like Rivers was saying about his comfort level in these offense. There are times you just don't believe you have it even when it's open. And I wonder, I mean, you study quarterbacks, you have been a quarterback. Uh, I have not is there a way to fix that in Jackson's head like how do you unleash the crack and take the training wheels off in a guy's head as opposed to in the playbook and say you know what when you see that thing go I mean it's hard I mean it's hard when you it's it's like muscle
1: memory sort of taken over and we've talked about that before but it's like when you don't feel like you can do that it's hard in the course of a season to suddenly become more aggressive it's one of those things you know when you look at The huge leap in the Kansas City Chiefs offense from Alex Smith to Mahomes was you suddenly had a quarterback willing to take those chances. You don't take Alex Smith and then become aggressive. Like if you're just a sort of a conservative nature, conservative-minded quarterback who thinks I'm going to be safe with the football, it's hard to then dial it up to 11. And that's sort of the issue with the Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson right now is, you know, I'm, I'm pulling up some of these plays and it's like, yeah, like you just said, there were guys open in the middle of the field and he stares at it. But he's like, I'm going to pull this down. Like, I'm looking at a play. It's, a, you know, it's <clears throat> first quarter, 116. He's got a dig route in the middle of the field. He pulls it down, starts to scramble, and eventually throws to Willie Sneed anyway. And it's like the dig was there initially. And then you didn't trust it. You didn't trust your arm. You didn't trust the coverage. You didn't trust what was going on around you. On this play, there's a backside defender that maybe could jump it. But look, if you if you've got the ability to make that throw, make it. You could rip it, but he doesn't. And so it's hard to, at this point of the year, fix that. Now, you could probably do it over the off season and into next year. You could start getting everybody on the same page and making these throws and showing them, look, you can make these throws. But I don't, I I see, don't see you doing
0: you know, it right now. Off season, COVID, the reasons for his regression are, are obvious. And Yeah. But it was when he was talking about the offense being too predictable, and uh, I went into it with no preconceptions. I just wanted to watch the tape and write something. And Lamar was the number one player in his draft class. I, I you know, when Bill Polian said his dumb crap and all these other people, I was the first guy, you know, with the hammer. Um, but this year it, it, it's a little worrisome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, and, you know, this is part of the double-edged sword without mobile quarterbacks. As much as I've talked about how you need mobility, you know, I remember I had an old, um, he was a wide receivers coach it was also the baseball coach at Wesleyan. And he would, instead of using dipping tobacco, he would just chew cigars without a spit cup, which always just sort of blew my mind. But he would always tell me, like when we do drills and I'd have to roll out, I wouldn't want to throw the ball. He was like, once your feet get moving, you just refuse to throw the ball. And That's going to be a problem for you. It's why you will never be good. And sometimes mobile quarterbacks just use that mobility as a crutch and they see something in the middle of the field. And they're like, I could do that or I could run around and make something happen. You know, you've seen it with guys before. You see it sometimes with Russell Wilson. Um, You see it sometimes with Baker Mayfield. And I think you're seeing it right now with Lamar Jackson. We need to get that guy on the podcast.
0: Yeah, we do. Yep. Uh, Panthers at Washington. Dwayne's hat. Okay. okay. (sighs) Haskins maskless in a strip club, blah, blah, blah. He said on Wednesday after being fined 40 grand, but not getting suspended that he thought this might be his last chance with the team. Uh, I will posit, Dr. Schofield, that if he'd played at half of like a but of the functional level, he'd have nine lives. Um, what I did the study on Jackson, deep throws over the middle, 20 more air yards. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins yeah. on throws over the middle of 20 plus air yards, zero for eight with three interceptions. I was concerned about his potential for multiple reasons. When he came out of college, slow processor, really bad under pressure, cannot get out of the pocket and makes it. And he's like, we're talking major regression. And I, you know, I'm not in the room. I don't know what's going on, but. As I said on Twitter this week, and you know, quarterback is hard enough to play if you're all in. If you're not, you're dead. Just go home. This, this is not going to work. It feels like a Paxton Lynch situation. Uh, you know what? I want it's funny. I thought of that this week because I watched, uh, I did a tape piece with Paxton because he's represented by Lee Steinberg, and Lee and his, his people have always been really good to me. Uh, Hopefully it'll still be after I say this. (laughs) And I watched uh, the Memphis tape and I'm like, man, this guy just, this is not, and the the sort of casual reaction to bad plays was uh, problematic. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and look, as somebody
1: that lives in the DC area, like that is the point of discussion right now, which frankly might be by design because it's keeping people's eyes away from another story. Around yeah. the Washington football team. And so that's a little interesting because when you've got 1067 harping on Dwayne Haskins and his captain scene and in the mask was party and not everything with the owner. The fact that the is. owner should be booted out of the league. Right. Exactly. Like so now yeah. But yeah, look, Washington is a team that could make it to the playoffs, but the quarterback situation is an absolute mess. And yeah. when you've got Steven Montez out there, the practice squad quarterback liking tweets on Twitter about how Dwayne Haskins is garbage and trash. Like, Oh really? A, yeah. Oh, yeah. well, it's fun.
0: Yeah. W F T. Yep. yeah It's a real easy switch. Eagles at Cowboys. Start number three for Jalen hurts. Greg Cosell had a really interesting hurts. Dak Prescott comparison, two quarterbacks who were more accurate in their first NFL seasons than they were in college. Um, And Greg was one of the few guys I know who got Dak right. He said, you know, when Dak came out of college, Greg was pounding the table. I I think he and I were doing a podcast at that time. And Greg was like, you know, this guy, this guy, Dak Prescott, everyone's missing on him. And I'm telling you, he's going to be a starter. So when Greg says that Jalen Hurts reminds, reminds him of Dak Prescott in just, you know, stature and play style and composure and the ability to improve, I pay attention. Yeah. And he's right because that was the reason why I didn't like Dak was
1: the ball placement. I was just like, you can't be an inaccurate quarterback and make it. I remember watching him miss on a throw down to the senior ball and just looking at Matt Waldman and Charles McDonald. Like, I I don't know what to do with this guy. And now you see what Dak Prescott is. And I see, you see similar vibes from Jalen hurts. And I think the reason why, Dak is who he is, His competitive toughness, leadership. Yeah. And that's the reason why the next draft, I was like, I missed wildly on Dak. I'm not doing it again with Deshaun Watson. And Hurts checks that box. And yeah. I brought that up with Hurts. Um, you know, I think when you think back to when they drafted Hurts, it was like, you this kid better be mentally tough. Oh, wait, he is. This mm-hmm. kid better be a le- leader. Oh, wait, he is. To walk into this situation and you see it, it pay off.
0: Well, and this was um, in Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. This no. one, even before the season started and Wentz turned into a disaster buckle, uh, it was a little more like, oh, hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Whereas, you know, I don't care who you draft. It's Aaron fricking Rogers. That's different. Right. This was more like, you know, did, did Doug and Howie see something that we didn't? Yeah. Yeah, you know? it was. And it, it was going to take somebody
1: with ridiculous, you know, mental toughness to handle that situation as a rookie. And he's done that.
0: I think. Heart I think Les Bowen of the Philadelphia Inquirer who asked him this week or, or Les had the quote on Twitter. Um, if he pays attention, to this and Jalen Hurts said, "I don't, I don't take the rat poison. I just yeah."
1: Drink.
0: And that's a that's a lie right from Nick Saban. Yeah, and I
1: mean, totally. I think somebody put up the split screen today of it. So yeah, I mean, and you, when you hear Saban gush about him,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. Saban and Belichick are very similar, obviously, and when you see those guys start to gush about a player. You know that you should pay attention to it.
0: Yeah. By the way, Brian. Uh, I, I digress for a moment. Brian Dable, the Bills' offensive coordinator, who's damn sure going to get himself a head coaching job. He's the only guy ever to do this. And I can't imagine. He's he's worked for Bill Belichick and Nick Saban each twice. Yeah. Talk about a gauntlet. No wonder the guy's not afraid of anything. Seriously. Yeah. Uh. So, Jalen Hurts' mental toughness and what the Cowboys, Eagles, high allow him to do and encourage him to do uh so far this season per pro football reference there have been 38 fourth down touchdown passes in the nfl russell wilson and deshaun watson are tied for the lead with four matt ryan second with three you know who else has three jalen hurts on 89 attempts he converted a third and 20 against the cardinals and they played him the cardinals played him differently than the saints did they didn't bite on the mesh point which is smart they used Jordan Hicks as kind of a spy more than the Saints used a spy. I don't, think, I don't know if the Saints used a spy at all. They went after him with a lot of creative blitzes. And uh, in my super superstars this week, I had three Cardinals edge, edge, edge rushers in there because it was just really – they got six sacks and a ton of pressures. And we said last week, Mark, that the one thing we hadn't seen was Hurts down 21 in the second half and what he's going to do. He was down 16 to nothing in the first quarter, and they almost okay. won that game. Um, I don't have any more questions. I really don't. You know, we can say, well, he's not throwing over the middle. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. Well, You know, there are things you can teach and there are things you can't. Um, I'm not worried about the things you can teach. And I'm really not worried about the things you can't because this kid comes in with a wheelbarrow of just nuts. Like, bang, here we go. Yeah,
1: I I think the decision is clear if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, and by the um, way, now he's playing the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, he's going to carve that defense up. He's going to carve that Me defense boy. up and put it in the nose uh, in yep. the nose. So yeah, um I, I I I don't think there's a question, Doug. That this is your guy now. And now you you know, you can take the offseason and into next year and craft the offense that's molded to Jalen Hurts, but this is your guy. Um, you got well, to buy-in and all the RPO stuff you had to put on the shelf for the last couple of years. Yeah, you can do that stuff now, too. You've got a more mobile quarterback, a guy that doesn't have the injury history of Wentz, so you feel more comfortable doing that stuff. Um, a guy that, you know, the organization seems to have bought in on and seems to have gotten that pick right when people like me were crushing it at the time. So, yeah, now you just wonder where Wentz falls in the upcoming quarterback casserole because there's no way.
0: Um, nope. No way. Uh, Rich Eisen asked, uh, had Frank Reich on his show this week and asked Frank Reich about, you know, just what do you think of Carson Wentz? You know, it, it, Rich is a smart guy. So he wasn't going to ask. Yeah, he's not going to ask the question. He going to ask it straight up and get the Jim Harbaugh sh- slam down. And all Reich said was, you know, I, I, I love Carson. have a great relationship with him. He's a really good player, but I'm focused. You know, he's, uh, he's on to Cincinnati, uh, you know, yeah. in that metaphorical sense. Um, I don't know, you know if Philip Rivers, like I said before, they get that deep passing game going, maybe Rivers comes back on another one-year deal. I mean, does Carson run out of chairs to, you know, is that it? You know, does Does he have to to become a backup somewhere, which got crazy to say a year ago?
1: I know. Um, It's hard to see land in spots where a team would, I mean, unless maybe, no, but even – a team like Jacksonville that's gonna be drafting a guy early, yeah. they'll hand on to one of those guys as the And bridge. if he
0: was you know, if he was a twenty million dollar guy, it'd be different. But the yeah. the the opportunity cost is so the You're not paying that for a bridge. No. So and it's just hard to know with him vomiting all over himself all year. And, I mean, Chicago's in a
1: really bad cap space position. I don't know yeah, if they I mean, would do that. They couldn't do it. Nope. Um, if Roethlisberger retires, maybe Pittsburgh? I don't think they're in great cap
0: shape either. I, I don't think so. Um, uh, since Denver? <sighs> he's not tall enough.
1: <laughs> I mean, I think he's close enough. Nah, he's got,
0: he has to be like six eight and throw it all over the mountains. Uh Let's see. Pittsburgh. 2021 cap space. Oh, there are 21 million in the hole. Well, that won't work. No, that won't work. Denver. If Wentz comes in wearing lifts, uh, let's see. Donald Trump style. They got about 20 million. So they, I mean, can, they could, they could probably make it stuff. work. Cause I mean, Denver's in a weird position with lock. They're not going to be early enough in the draft. I mean, like A.J. Bouye next year has a $13.375 million cap number, zero dead cap. Jarrell Casey, $12 million cap number, zero dead cap. So yeah, they can move some stuff around they, pretty quickly. They've got, you know, but then again, they may see, they may go, you know, they doubled on Drew Locke because of the Panthers game and yeah. just say, this is our guy and we don't care, which they could do. They could do that. Rams at Seahawks. Situational football one-on-one. And I wrote about this, excuse me, this week. I have to get into what are maybe the worst two play calls of Sean McVay's career as a head coach. So bad they gave me heartburn as I was talking about them. The Rams' last two offensive plays against the Jets. Backdoor fade to running back Cam Akers on third and four from the Jets' 37-yard line down 23-20. Fourth down deep throw to Gerald Everett. Goff overthrew the pass to Akers, and Marcus May made an amazing play on the throw to Everett. Marcus May, by the way, free agent next year. Somebody better pick him up as a deep third guy because he's really good. Those are the only two passes of 20-plus air yards Goff threw in the entire game. Again, four minutes left, down 23-20, to Jets' 37-yard line, and all of a sudden, you think he's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, McVay mentioned that Goff had Cooper Cup underneath the front side on the Everett throw, but still, when you're down three, there's four minutes left in the game, you can get easy chunk yards, and you decide to go for it all there. I just don't get it. Not when Jared Goff is your quarterback, and he's been one of the NFL's worst deep passers when he throws deep, which isn't often. I just, you know, I I think, and it, that's, you know, it goes like the North Turner discussion. There are guys who are better play callers than situational geniuses. And there are guys who are, Belichick is obviously a situational genius, um, but like Pete Carroll, sometimes he just loses his damn mind. And I, yeah. I, th- I think McVay, <clears throat> just went off. at Kurt Warner. This is uh, courtesy of Cam Desilva of Rams Wire, who's done a lot of great stuff on, on golf this week. Kurt Warner perfectly explained what's gone wrong with the Rams offense during an appearance on NFL Network, pointing to their inability to succeed after defenses take away what they're trying to do. I'm just concerned about this offense because they're really good when they do what they want to do. Warner said, "Again, that's not a news flash. There, most teams are good when they wanted when they do what they do best." When the Rams run the football and play action, they're really good. Jared Goff is really good in that type of scenario. I'll add 12 and 13 personnel. He's very good in that, which they haven't used quite as much lately. When they fall behind and they have to drop back throw when they have to spread it out, and he's got to drop back and read the defense and pick a team apart. This is where the team, and this is where Jared Goff struggles. And, you know, I think that's why they don't have a plan B, because that's what Jared Goff is, and that's what he's always going to be. So I don't get in that context why the hell – you make those two play calls. I don't care if Cooper Cup is, you know, if that's your, you know, first read, uh, he's still throwing to Gerald Everett when he's made like 20 deep throws all year.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I looking at these plays, I get the third and
0: four more than the fourth and four. See, and I the, I, the third and four to me is even weirder. Well, they, if Marcus May doesn't make a great play on that Everett throw, er, Everett catches that ball.
1: Yeah. I mean, they got man coverage and you can get Cam Akers on an inside linebacker. You're right? asking, okay, you're asking Jared Goff to make an accurate backdoor fade throw. And I get the matchup, though. Like, I understand it. And, you know, you did have sort of the under route here on the backside from Woods. It was there, too. Like, yeah. if Goff didn't feel like he could make that throw, then you've got the under route, which is there. It's wide open. You move the chains. Maybe that's the deeper issue here. If you don't give golf that choice, like it's like, there's a great story, 2014, Nike coaches clinic, Mike Leach comes and does a presentation on the mesh play. And I read it probably once a week. And he talks about the wheel route out of the backfield and he basically says, that's there for show. We all love the wheel route. We all think the wheel route is undefeated. And Mike Leach, the godfather, or, you know, the right-hand man of the mesh play says that's there for show. Don't put it in the progression because if you do, your quarterback is going to fall in love with it and keep throwing it, and it's a hard route to hit and throw. That's this point of here. Like, if you give it to him, he's going to throw it. It's a matchup you want. I get it from a matchup perspective, but maybe right now don't give Jared Goff that throw because he can't make it.
0: And that's – you know, it's an interesting point. That we were talking about before, you know, quarterbacks are schemed up and, you know, are they really – Scheming up a quarterback, there's two components to that there's what you give him to do, and there's what you remove from. Like, yeah, not now, we all talk about the former,
1: you're not focus on the latter, and the latter is probably more important with young quarterbacks. Or you quarterbacks are not, ready
0: to do this. don't do yeah. it. it. was like when Josh Allen came out this year and was ripping man coverage to bits, and they started giving him late looks and zone. and There were a couple weeks where it just kind of fell apart, and Brian Dable said, Okay. That's okay. Uh, This is where you are, and no problem. We're going to give you the dump off, take the easy stuff underneath. And over time, when he had the confidence of the easy stuff underneath, then it was, well, now I'm getting the confidence to make a few of those, you know, bang on throws downfield. But that was a case of Brian Dable saying to to Josh Allen, those deep shots against zone, against, you know, late covered switches, we're just going to take them out of your playbook right now. Yeah. if you see, if you see man go, you see zone, you see a spin from two to one. Nope. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And
1: we've talked about, we've nibbled around, you know, NFC teams with problems. This is the problem with the Rams. This has been like, the problem with the Rams all along. Yeah. And then they've this dressed it up. It's no, it's not new. It's just, you know, same day, different story.
0: Great defense, which you did a piece, which we published today, anatomy of a rematch
1: go. Yeah, because um, I looked at, you know, that uh, Week 10 game. And, you know, the d- depending on whose numbers you use, whether it's Matt Bowens, whether it's SIS, whether it's, you know, PFF, Seahawks are a heavy zone team. Um, a lot of cover three, a lot of cover two. They played a lot of quarters, as you often see teams do, um, but was really interested about looking back at that Week 10 game. Goff was 27 of 37 for 302. No touchdowns, no picks. Averaged 8.2 per attempt. They really sort of messed with A – Seattle's expectations of what they were going to do and be some of their like zone coverage rules because you know they head on a deep post route to Cooper Cup and it looked like it was going to be your staple play action three-level flood with a flat over and then a post corner route they show the over they're running cover four Jamal Adams has to drive down on the crosser and the other safety sees Cooper Cup released like he's running a corner route Opens his hips, makes the baseball turn, but he runs a post and it's a huge play gain of like 40 plus. And then a little later, they show you the boot three level flood. Now you get the corner route, the middle read, and then the flat route. And he hits the middle read because it's wide open because now they're in cover three Corner is occupied by the post corner. You know, curl flat defender has to take the flat. There's nobody in the middle. It's sort of that exit enter concept against so own coverage. And then they ran out of 13 personnel. Single receiver play action, just right of the quick in cut against cover three, you see 13 personnel on first and 10, you see play action, you're going to dive down, it's wide open. So they they really sort of attack their zone coverage looks, they mess with their zone coverage rules, like that cover four play I talked about, safety has to dive down on that crosser because it's a deep enough vertical, he's not eliminated himself as Kyle Scott would say, or Kyle Kogan would say, so you got to cover it. Throw the post. The and top
0: Goff has been far more effective this year at a twelve and thirteen, and they've used it more. Yeah. Often.
1: yeah, and I'd expect to see a lot of it. I'd expect to see a lot of twelve and thirteen this week. You know, really sell Seattle, get Seattle. Look, Seattle's happy to play in their base defense anyway. Yeah. Um, but look, force them into it if they don't want to. Um, show them run fakes and then mess with their coverage roles like they did back in week ten. Um, so
0: I think this will be a fun game to watch. And they're going to get. I mean, Goff's going to get openings because they're going to blitz Jamal Adams like crazy, and the problem. Yeah. Blitzing Jamal Adams like crazy. I mean, DJ Reed is a nice kid. Uh, good story. Um, five, nine cornerback in that defense. You better be good. Uh, Quentin yeah. Dunbar's out for the rest of the year. That never worked out. Um, Pat first. Like at the end of the first half of the 2019 season, Dunbar and Richard Sherman had the same opponent pass. Rating. It was something like 37.9 and if Dunbar had been healthy this year. You might see a different Seattle defense. The Seahawks gave up 16 touchdowns in their first nine games. They've only given up six since then. Four interceptions to six, and the, so they're getting a little bit well. Um, but yeah, this this could be interesting. Uh, Titans at Packers. Aaron Rodgers called the Packers' 24 to 16 victory over the Panthers a frustrating win, and that's understandable. He completed 20 of 29 passes for 143 yards and a touchdown. And his spray chart looked like Ben Roethlisberger's, um, risk-averse. Rodgers attempted two deep passes with no completions and a drop against the Panthers' defense that have been quite amenable to the deep ball all season. Five touchdowns and one interception against passes of 20 or more air yards this season. They got just – Panthers got four touchdown passes from, you know, against Drew Locke. You got to switch something up, and Phil Snow did. More multiple fronts than I'd seen from them. Pressure with – three at times they had run you know rush three drop eight and still get pressure Rodgers was pressured on 10 of his 29 drop backs he was sacked five times panthers also played a lot of zone match especially in the red zone thank you anyone who spot drops in the red zone should be fired which seemed to mystify Rodgers. maybe he thought they were going to do their usual spot drop stuff Rodgers also had some really bad incompletions 10 46 left in the first half he had tanyan wide open on a little wheel route to his left he didn't pull the trigger right away he kind of waited 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 Um, if he throws that earlier, it's a touchdown, and it wasn't. He also had Alan Lazard wide-ass open to his right on a mesh with Devontae Adams. They didn't see that. He just fixated on Tanya and made the throw, late throw. Are there problems here? Is it a quote-unquote blueprint or just an off day?
1: I mean, I'm leaning more towards the off day. I think – Carolina did a really good job getting pressure, both in the interior. Derek Brown, I thought, had a really good game. Yeah. Uh, Brian Burns had a good game. Good Gross Matos had a couple of pressures off the yeah, edge. I
0: start talking more about Brian Burns before his season, unfortunately, ends because that kid is – pretty- Yeah, and look, they could have a really good front next year. Yep. I mean, with
1: those three guys I just mentioned having another year under their belt, maybe they add somebody in free agency or their draft. That could be a really good defensive front. Um, Jeremy Chin has obviously done some nice things for them. You know, I think this was an opportunity where Rogers was probably excited because of all the things we've talked about with Carolina. We talked about Drew Locke last week. I'm going to get a spot drop cover three team this week to play against.
0: Oh, Merry Christmas to oh, me. We said it, it last week's podcast. We said this is just easy money for him. Yeah. And they switched things up,
1: like you said. Um, so it was probably like a little bit of a different game plan. You saw in the second half a lot more quick game concepts. You're seeing a lot more double slants. You're seeing a lot more, you know, curl flat and things like that, uh, slant flat. Like they, they, the switch probably was like, okay, well, we're not getting the game plan we expected, so we've got to switch things up. So I, I think blueprint ish. But I think the major story was Carolina really switched things up on the defensive side of the ball and played a good game up front uh, more than anything else. Like, I'm not too worried about the Carolina – I mean, the Packers offense. But if this offense continues to sputter a bit, that's a big concern.
0: I'm not there yet. Or it could be pissed off Aaron Rodgers and God help Well,
1: that – yeah, I mean, we saw what pissed off Aaron Rodgers did for the first 14 weeks of the season. Yeah, so After the Bucs game, it was
0: like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh And in, I think As the podcast goes forward We're going to have A weekly installment Called Don't Play Man If You Can't Play Man Right Titans this year In man coverage Cover zero Cover one Man cover two 18 touchdowns No interceptions Yeah Is that good? Uh No Good for Aaron Rodgers Texans also yeah. By the way 18 touchdowns No interceptions Which you know If you're having your linebacker Trail T.Y. Hilton Maybe Yeah God <sighs> Poor Deshaun. Uh, we're not giving Ryan Tannehill enough credit. I didn't even, I had Justin Herbert as my Pro Bowl snub. And, and let's see, who was this? Uh, Alan Bell of CBS Sportsline. <coughs> How good is Ryan Tannehill since taking over the Titans started last year? He has more passing touchdowns, 53, than Patrick Mahomes, 48. More touchdowns responsible for, 61, Lamar Jackson, 58. Higher yards per attempt, 8.7 than Deshaun Watson, 8.3. Higher passer rating, 114.0 than Aaron Rodgers, 109.1. I think we see Ryan Tannehill as this guy who, A, is dependent on Derrick Henry, and B, falls apart if he doesn't have play action. And I don't think either one of those things are true. I think if you put him in a pass-first offense, he'd be just fine.
1: Yeah, um, I think so too. Um, I think the moral of the story here, and what's funny, the first response to that tweet was – these are his numbers since leave at Adam Gase. Yeah. And I think that might be the moral of the story. And it goes back to our earlier thought of what has Adam Gase actually done in terms of quarterback development. Um, Tannehill's second act is fantastic. Um, I do think that certainly play action and Derek Henry and all that stuff helps. But when you even watch him on those play action designs, like there are sometimes when that first read is open when you think it would be on play action, it's not. And he's instantly whipping his hips, whipping his feet, making a on-time mid-rhythm throw to his second or his third read, like that's more drop back action than play action. And yeah, I think the the concern in Tennessee is certainly not Ryan Tannehill. It's no. the defense. Yep. Um I, I don't know if this is an offense that's good enough to outscore you and win in a shootout, um, but it might be enough to win. Games like that against some teams, not against Kansas City, but I'll
0: that. I'm gonna okay. So per Pro Football Focus, he's got Tannehill has 12 touchdowns and three interceptions using play action this year. Not play action, 19 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, let's see, only let's see, Russell, Patrick, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Derek Carr are the only quarterbacks this year with more touchdown passes outside of play action than Tannehill. Tannehill has the fourth best passer rating without play action. I'm gonna have to write a Mythbusters about this. Good Lord, 108.2. And Aaron Rodgers is the best at 109.3, then it's Deshaun at 108.7, then Mahomes at 108.6. So without play action, and you know, they run 12 and 13. And, you know, but talk about uh, you know, this Adam Gase should be banned from the league for what he did to Tannehill. Arthur Smith, hello. Um, and then Mike Patton plays more dime than any other defensive coordinator. Here comes Derrick Henry. How, that, how that do you just, think that's going to look?
1: That just screams badness. Um, yeah. I don't. They, they've got to do something different. Um, we'll see if they do it. But I mean, well, Alfred Smith is mean, find yeah, other
0: linebackers. If that's gonna well, happen.
1: that's the other thing. Like they don't have the guys to play a heavier
0: front right now. And what again? Once again, is the strategy against Green Bay's defensive line? Double team and Kenny Clark.
1: Man up everybody else. There you go. And watch your running back go.
0: Well, and you got the Smith brothers who are, you know, both good run defenders, but they're speed-ins. They're just they're, yeah. you know, putting their necks up and whoo. So Derrick Henry can see a lot of really nice you know, post-Christmas gaps just, you know, eating up like the leftover turkey. What's really interesting, though, you've got both the Colts and the Titans
1: tied atop technically the AFC South. One team's playing the Steelers, and one team might have a pretty favorable matchup in the Packers. Yep. Like, that could be interesting.
0: And then I'm looking here at the week seven- – I think they both have week
1: easy week 17 games. Uh, Colts have the Bengals. Yeah, and I think the other – the Tennessee Titans play Houston, I think.
0: Uh, well, I'd love to see Colts-Titans in week 17. Uh, yeah. Can't always get what we want. Yeah, the Titans have the Texans. Maybe Deshaun
1: pull something out of
0: the hat. And you got A.J. Brown and Corey Davis against. <laughs> yeah. No. <sighs> Free Deshaun. Bills Free at Deshaun. Not much to say here in a competitive sense. Congratulations to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Absolutely. But right now, is there another team besides the Bills with no real discernible weakness? Because I am doing this thing on, you know, the fatal flaws for every playoff team. I had to look for like half an hour to find something half-assed that I thought might be a problem for the Bills right now. It's either Levi Wallace or Josh Allen under pressure. And you can get around both of those things. Yeah.
1: Um, I think the biggest weakness right now is Buffalo is will Josh Allen make the big mistake? Like, that's the only yeah, I mean, thing I could I, find I go
0: back to the Texans game. And he just, you know,
1: yeah, but he's throwing like scramble drill, go routes to his triple covered fullback. He's not that guy anymore. He's not. That's just it. He's not, I, I don't, and you know, make the silly he, lap.
0: Now, really. I think the the plan for Josh this year with Dable was okay. We know you have this ridiculous talent. You're, you're cam Newton with a better arm basically. And so, you're going to, you, it's like having a guy with a four octave range and the star spangled matter takes 12 minutes. Um, Patty LaBelle syndrome is what I'll call it. Yeah. You know, you've got so much talent that you don't know how to put it in a box where it needs to be. And I think this year they've done that. I think that Dable's done a great job of it. Allen has done a great job of buying in that you don't always have to take the shot play. And, you know, so I don't think he's that guy at all.
1: No, I don't think he is either. Um... You know, with Trey White back, and we've talked about this that, that defense is much improved because of the trickle down effect. you um, the best safety duo in
0: the league. Absolutely. Ed I mean, Oliver continues to disappoint. Ed, I ranked you like third in your draft class and you're blowing it, but whatever. <laughs> but still, it's, it's
1: it, it, the thing about we talk about pathways to, you know, rebuilding a team, pathways to winning a game. The Bills can score with most teams in this league. They can do that right now. The Bills can slow down good offenses because of their defense. So they give themselves a couple of different ways to win games. They can win in a high-scoring game. They can win in a rock fight. Their quarterback has made these strides and is playing a really hot hand. Maybe the
0: best safety deal in the league, which I think will really matter in the playoffs. Especially if you look at
1: a potential AFC championship game against Kansas City.
0: Yep. Like, you're going to need
1: great safety play to beat that team. Uh, Um, Have that now. Seriously, look- like let's just skip ahead with the rest of the AFC stuff. I know Cleveland is fun, but. You're a best of five. Next five. Yeah.
0: Bill's Chiefs. And we'll yeah. Be- I, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, as, especially in the AFC, like teams with weaknesses, I think, you know, say what you want about Kansas City, but then, yeah, you look at Buffalo. I don't see a lot of weaknesses on that team.
0: Who wants to watch Ryan Tannehill put up a 50-burger on the Texans? Let's do this instead. Yeah. I I, I agree. I'm yeah. with you. Well, with that, Doctor Schofield, we are done. Uh, very, very happy holiday to you and to our listeners out there. Uh, everyone, stay safe and healthy and happy out there. And uh, we'll <laughs> uh, twenty twenty. Bye bye. It's almost over. It's almost over. Good lord. All right, Mark. Great stuff. Happy holidays, and we'll happy see. Holidays th- to you, my
1: friend. See you soon.